Aperture Priority, show number 16, all about filters. Welcome to the Aperture Priority Podcast, an Avila Studios production where it's all about photography and fun. Now open up that aperture and let some creative light in. to show number 16 of uh, Aperture Priority. Uh, Tony Avila here. And again with me today, I have Mr. Joe Inkelberg. Hey, Tony. Good morning. How are you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Been a while. A bit of frustrations uh, with WordPress. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, that old adage, technology is wonderful when it works. When it works. And the frustration for me, I get get this warning. uh, You have to take out these infected files. But you don't know what infected files to take out. That sounds serious. So, and this is what happens when you change themes. Mm. When you get rid of an old theme, it doesn't get rid of everything. I see. And so this is just, I'm going to have to make a a decision in the future whether to change hosting or to uh, even change platforms. Mm. There's Squarespace. I know you're on Wix. Right. So I may have to look at that in the future. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a never going evolution because what's the top five last year is the bottom five. I mean, it's a yeah. ongoing competitive world. And of course, everybody wants the the simplest way to host mm-hmm. the post. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to look into that because when it takes two weeks of going back and forth, and now of course the problem is the place I'm hosting there. Uh, technical support is overseas. So I was getting some people in the Philippines. And when you call, you're in this, you hear this room of chatter mm. and you're trying to understand them. So it, it was a bit of frustration, but uh, overall uh, I took a bit of a break. I did do a couple of shoots, mm-hmm. uh, getting back into the grind of everything. Uh, haven't been paying as much attention on as this new equipment as it's been coming out. Uh, and Nikon did come out with a couple of new uh, lenses for their Z line. The 2470, the Holy Grail. Yes, mm-hmm. it finally did. And yeah. the 14 to 30 F4, which wants me to revisit travel lenses because that to me is a perfect range. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen of it, it does get, uh, again, for F4. Yeah, I, if if you're going to be doing scenics and things, you, you're going to want a little bit more depth of field. And it has in-body image stabilization. So what I've seen results of, it looks pretty interesting. Mm. Well, I've been uh, working hard at s- several big projects. I've been doing a lot of writing and doing some teaching and tutoring and training and that type of thing. Uh, enjoying that very much going on uh, photo shoots that are a lot of fun, but also instructive. Uh, you and I went on a photo shoot with a couple of other guys here a week or so ago, went to Yosemite. And what is this, uh, mid-April? This this podcast is, we went mid-April, you and I, mm-hmm. got there before daybreak, which is a very early morning for us. Yes. <laughs> Departure time at 3 a.m. And got there before daybreak, took some great shots, and 
uh, one of the guys, the, the reason we went is one of the guys, uh, Felix, really wanted to shoot uh, the waterfalls because they're fa- there's a lot of water. They're really big and booming and beautiful. And he wanted to take an ND filter and really feather them out and look nice. And, and we did that. Which leads us to uh, today's show, by the way. As, and one of the questions he asked is a, good, a great question. Besides taking pictures of waterfalls, what what else uh, is there good for use using what creative use of an ND filter? And so, you know, we were talking about it, and, and filters in general would be a, a great topic. So that's that's the yeah. topic of the day later yeah. on here. Yeah, all about filters. Uh, I used to use I used to have an arsenal of filters. Uh, going back to the film and everything. Days where oh the black and white filters you know the black red and white the yellow filter, the red the, the number, yellow yeah. and then if you were shooting an event you would get you would get the uh, what was it the FD filter mm-hmm. to correct uh, fluorescent lighting where now a lot of things have been corrected by you know setting your white balance exactly in the digital world but I still experiment with I still use filters of course I, I will use. Perf- uh, protected uv filters so we're we're talking about the filters that go on the front of your lens front of the lens and where many people uh and i know many of my friends do not and they say well it's just another piece of glass and you can go why you should or shouldn't but the way why i choose to use these protective filters because a lot of my lenses that i use now are no longer in production Mm -hmm. and when you go hiking in the back I, I do take hiking boots, but I can't remember which angle, ankle it is now. But years ago, when I was younger, playing soccer with my cousins, I kind of tweaked an ankle mm. that's never been the same. So I have to watch it when I'm out hiking because everyone's it'll want to give out on me. And when you're mm. carrying around your tripod with your camera on it, it goes crashing down and that front element hits. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? That lens... I'm going to have to try to find another copy of it. I'm not going to be able to get it repaired. So I I stick to using the protective filters. It, it's just uh, an insurance policy for me. Well, that makes sense too. Uh, I think those are labeled UV haze yes. filters and they're neither. <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, they're imperceptible. And, you know, purists would say, don't put another piece of glass on the front of, of your lens. It However, it is a great insurance policy, and I don't think that, that I can perceive a difference. They certainly don't cut the haze, but that's how they're advertised. But right. that's uh, one of the biggest uh, fallacies in filters is, is oh, yeah. UV haze. Woo. UV haze, yeah. The only thing I will say, if you do put a protective filter on it, get good glass. That's where it really counts because... Uh, going back to your scenario where you have an older lens that's irreplaceable, how much how much is it worth? Well, uh, or if you have a, a if you've nested a couple thousand dollars in a in a high end lens, how much is that worth? Well, it's worth whatever you paid for it, right? Right. So it doesn't make sense to put a twenty dollar uh, filter on the front of it. In fact, an interesting story: a friend of mine bought one of those, uh, bought a lens and it came with a, it, it was a kit, it came with a carrying case and it came with uh, these filters and everything. And he already had some UV filters in that size. So he gave me the one that came with it. 
And it happened to be an odd size. And I didn't happen to have that particular size, but I did have a lens that I had just purchased that needed that size. So I screwed it on the front of it and went out and shot all day and came back uh, in the evening. And every one of those shots was soft. That piece of glass was was the problem. I took the glass off. In fact, I, you know, freaked out. What did I have? A focus issue? Uh, so I shot it without the UV filter and it was, you know, sh- tack sharp, put it on there, same focus, everything. And it, it, it softened it. I said, man, I have a softening filter on the front of my lens, yeah. not a UV, <laughs> not a, so I got rid of that thing. Yes. And one thing I would caution, I know many of us now do all our purchasing on eBay be careful, uh, get a good brand. Hoya has a good brand. I think it's HMC. Uh, you don't need the very, very top end, but they make a good brand of filter. So uh, let's talk about filter quality before we get into the, uh, the specifics of the filters. Which which one's your, your, Hoya is your favorite? I've, I've used Hoya. I've used Heliopan. I've used uh, B&W. Yeah. Uh, those are the three main or Nikon. Those are the four right there. Right there. And I've had good luck with them. Why I say be cautious, because sometimes on eBay, you you may look like, oh, there's a Hoya. That's one of their good ones. And you'll purchase it. Mm -hmm. Pay attention where it's coming from, because it may be a copy. A counterfeit. And right. So you're, you're thinking you're getting a great price on a Hoya. And actually, you're getting a counterfeit. Right. And it could be just a plain piece of glass that's, or who knows what it is. It it could be, who knows, even plastic. And you're putting it on your lens and you're not doing yourself. No, in fact, you're like my experience here, actually degrading the image to the point where they're no longer usable. Uh, The point is, you, you get what you pay for. Exactly. And I would be slightly hesitant to buy. Uh, filters on eBay only because you know in the scheme of photography they're fairly inexpensive unless you're buying thirty or forty of them. But uh, there's a solution to that we'll talk about in a second. However, you know if you if you're paying eighty to a hundred dollars for uh, a seventy-seven millimeter filter, you're buying a pretty good you know pretty right. good quality. That means you're probably buying a, a Hoya. Uh, now there's a Tiffin. There's Tiffin. And that's sort of a consumer entry-level type of uh, filter. And uh, that's they're fine, but you get what you pay for. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the, the German ones, are they worth it? Uh, years ago, I used to shoot a contacts camera. So it had Zeiss lenses. So I fear, well, it's a German camera. I'll put a German filter on it because uh, what, what I could tell you, my experience shooting with Zeiss lenses, both in the contacts, and then I had a Hasselblad. They were, there was just, I can't explain. Everything about those lenses were wonderful, mm-hmm. but they were very expensive. So you might as well, you know, if I went and forked out a lot of money, it's like, well, give it some justice. Because if I'm going to get a cheaper thing on it, I'm better off than leaving. Leaving it off, off. right, and take your chances. If you're going to take advantage of the optical qualities of the lens to its fullest, yes. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I actually own several Nikon lenses, or I mean, excuse me, um, filters. But they can be used for any brand of camera, of course. 
they're the same size uh, filter. You can screw them on anything uh, that has that same size thread. But uh, they're often overlooked as a high-quality filter, yes. so consider those as well. Yes. Uh, like I said, those brands are good. Uh, then something to consider, you could get uh, your UV filter if you want, or take this into uh, mind. What's the biggest filter size that you use on, on one of your lenses? Uh, that would probably be 80 or 90, 90 millimeter. 90 millimeter. Yeah. So something to think about. Instead of buying, geez, every, uh, like a polarizer filter for every size, that could get very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. What I do, I, I will use a step-up ring. Mm -hmm. So, and I've got all these adapters. I've had them for years. And for me right now, the biggest uh, filters uh, for the lenses I use is 77. Mm -hmm. So I'll just buy everything 77. Like uh, right before Christmas, I bought, uh, it was Breakthrough Photography uh, UV filters. So I came down to the choices like uh, go 77, but then they have an 82. And that's, I'm, I'm trying to think of the future. Right. Now your 24 to 70s 2.8 seem to be coming with an 82 millimeter uh, thread. Nikon, yeah, it certainly does. Yeah, and I believe Canon does too. And I, I, it's almost like 82 is the new 77. <laughs> so well, what are you to do? I mean, yeah. uh, we have friends that have uh, suitcases full oh, of, yes. of different sizes of filters like a a coin collector. It looks like a coin collection in there. Uh, one solution is to go back to the thing I used to do in the film days is uh, the Koken exactly. filter holders and, and just buy the 100 millimeter by 100 millimeter square filters and they fit anything. Yeah. Uh, there's some, pro, you know, there's some pros and cons, pros and cons to that. Uh, polarized filters are different. They're very different. But I'm glad you brought that up because at the at the time that I was looking to to get these filters, and the reason I got breakthrough photography, uh, their filters, there's no color cast when you're doing uh, these are ND filters. So I I have uh, three uh, three types. I have the ten stop, the six stop. And I believe theirs is a four stop. It's not a three stop, and those are usually the ranges you will find. Mm -hmm. If somebody tells you there's a 20-stop one, uh, beware. <laughs> Without stacking them, yes. yes. And, uh, and and we were we were kidding each other is that uh, right. I, we have, I have an ND1000, which is a 10-stop. So I said, okay, the last liar wins here. I have a 1,000-stop filter. It says so right on it, but that's a 10-stop. Yes. It's, uh, when I was looking at this, uh, I, I, I almost got the square ones. I, I, I stopped. I kind of regret that now uh, because what's nice about uh, those drop-in square ones doesn't matter all you do is get the uh, the mounting system and the adapter to your filter thread and what's nice you can just drop them in as you need them and i'm going to tell you a story why this is important also uh dropping them in uh you could get the gradiated ones, and that and those are the ones that I'm 
eventually going to get to where I'm out doing a seascape. And sometimes here in the central uh, coast of California, it's hit and miss in the summertime. It's 110 degrees down here in the valley. You go to the coast, it's 60 degrees overcast. And then when the sun comes up, it's so bright in the sky. That's where that uh, filter, of course, you could... uh, shoot a bunch of exposures and then go in and do your uh, photo merge and do HDR. Sure. But I kind of sometimes like just toning down that because that the sky, uh, when you're out the coast, it is just bright. It's, it's really bright. Uh, And that brings us to the question of when do you use uh, these filters? What, what are they, what are they designed for? And the graduated filter that you just mentioned is, that's a perfect example is when you have a bright sky and a, and a, a foreground that's darker, standing on Tunnel View, a very iconic spot in Yosemite Valley, looking out over the, the beauty and the majesty of, the, of Yosemite Valley with El Capitan on your left, Bridal Veil Falls, and in the distant background, Half Dome. And then further on, you can even see the white-clad uh, mountains in the far distance if you're not using some kind of balancing methodology, whether it's multiple exposures with, with bracketing or a graduated filter, you often get really overexposed uh, skies. The I've seen a lot of photographers that just buy the glass and they carefully transport it around and then they use it uh, and just hold it fist and hold it and they move it up and down so that that graduation is even more blurry and, and blend it in. Uh, you and I had an interesting conversation with a photographer once that um, uses a whole different technique. By the way, he was—he was a remember he was a an older guy that came over and he was asking us questions, obviously from uh, Asia somewhere, probably China. China I suspect I think it was China. Yes, and he was asking us about our technique and just questioning, and you know, sound like a, a complete newbie. And then he he pulled out his phone and started showing us his photographs and absolutely gorgeous photos. And and, and he was showing us a, a picture he'd taken the previous evening from that same location. And he demonstrated for us his technique was simply to hold his hand in front of his lens and uh, on the upper half of his sky and, and move it rapidly up and down during a, a one or two or three second exposure uh, because he would create a long exposure and then use his hand to block the lights. Like I thought like dodging or burning in a dark exactly. room. And I'm thinking, exactly. you know, yeah, that's sometimes we, we, we get so technically and gadget oriented that we just forget about yes. using the things that we have, like our hand to do that. So I, I was amused by that uh, particular yeah. demonstration. <laughs> that was. And uh, the one nice thing about using those square ones, you can drop, and stack them. Mm-hmm. They'll have slits. And why I said earlier, why I wanted to bring this up, uh, right before Christmas, I, I had a client in Santa Maria here in California, and I went to go take her photos to her. She bought one of my images from the gallery I was showing, mm-hmm. and I uh, did some uh, canvas prints of her daughter. So I went to go deliver them. I figure I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. So I just got these ND filters and I'm go, I'm going to go out there and it's called uh, Montana Oro. And I set my camera on the tripod. I was right there at the edge of the cliff and I 
was getting the, the nice blurry ocean because I'm slowing it down. Right. I noticed, you know, because, okay, I would go in there, focus, set my focus, and then put on the filter because uh, the tint stop gets really dark. Right. It's hard to focus. Yeah, you can't focus after you, yeah. Yeah. What caught my attention was I was doing this and I was like, go to the front of the camera, put on the filter. Then now I looked off and I'm like, I'm right on the edge of the cliff. <laughs> a little close to the edge, eh? And I started thinking, hmm, if I had the drop-in filter, I stayed behind my camera, <laughs> I drop in the filter <laughs> because sometimes I get caught up too much and I'm like, I think my friend Johnny kind of pointed that out to me. He was with me that day. He's like, you're awfully close to that edge, you know, and he's been with me before. I've been too close to an edge of a cliff. So I was like, hmm. Well, Tony, I don't want to read about you being one of those photographers that gets absent when and falls off a cliff, I know what, which has happened with alarming frequency in California lately. Yes. So I start thinking, I think a good solution with, for me would be to get that that system. And there's Koken, there's Lee filters, there's one called Format High Tech. Uh, there's Breakthrough Photography. They make their own. I like their filters. I don't know about their mounting system because they all take 100 millimeter uh, filters. So it's finding the uh, right adapter that'll work from you. Right. Uh, there's one I want to bring up. I found this system. It's It's... It looks great. I know it's good quality, but the price is out there. It's called Wine Count Wine Country Camera. I'll put a link on that, the show. Notes. That can't be bad. That can't, that can't be, be bad. all bad. <laughs> it's not all bad. I know a photographer right off the bat that would go there just because of the name of the, the name. <laughs> it's just the cost of it. But, uh, yeah. but the quality is there and how they built this thing. They built it so your filter will never accidentally drop all the way down because basically you you have a clamp that you slide in your filter and you then it presses inward and that holds your filter mm-hmm. and sometimes photographers will loosen up and your piece of glass will just fall right to the and ground if you're on a cliff it goes a long way goes a long ways <laughs> so they've they've kind of uh built a really cool system so as i'm looking at this it's because now I just want to have a little filter pack when I want to go out with Right. I, I do not want to take a suitcase of filters. I don't blame you. Well, we don't want to take a suitcase of anything with us. Uh, I, I have found a, a, a little filter holder that fits on my belt, and I use that, and I put four or five of my screw-in type filters, and it's adequate, and it works for me. But I'm with you with the different, you know, the, the increasingly varying sizes of lenses. I'm beginning to reconsider my filter strategy and maybe go back to the, because I used to use Kokens in a studio all the day, day in and day out. But yeah. now uh, it was just the convenience. You know, they are inconvenient. You you have to be, they're fragile. They are uh, fragile. And, you know, the polarizers are uh, different to they use. They are different, yes. <laughs> they, they take it, you know, it's a, it's a new learning curve to use those properly. So there's some cons to that. And, and they're not cheap, by the way. They're, they're certainly not. They're, uh, they're, they're not. They're not. And, and that's why 
when when I bought these breakthrough photography ones, they were on there was on a special on them. I, I saved I think eight bucks. But their their high quality filter, they were like a hundred and eighty dollars yeah, around there. I see. Uh and there's what I could say about neutral density filters, get the good quality because there's no color cast. Right. Now there's one thing that I would advise when you shoot a long exposure, uh, your eyepiece, there's usually a little lever you switch. To right. Turn the, off the light. Right. Right. Make sure you do that. Yeah. Cause if not, your light's going to seep in through, especially if the sun's behind you. Right. So most high end cameras have a built in little switch. You can just flip it over and it covers the eyepiece. Uh, piece of tape, your thumb, um, whatever you need to do, cover that eyepiece. Just just, don't. just remember to do it because I feel kind of dumb because right before I went there, I asked Joe where, because I was using a Nikon D800 and I was trying to get familiar with it and he showed me where it was. Yeah. So what did I do when I get to the coast? I don't use it. <laughs> and then I remembered, oh yeah, yeah. that's why we need well, to use that's it. That's why we, yeah. Because exactly. the sun was so bright behind me. So basically, I've kind of just narrowed down my filter selection to just a protective filter and ND filters and a polarizer. That's all I carry. And eventually the graduated ND filter. Right. And I'm very happy with that. Uh, and you can do a lot with that. So let's talk about some creative uses. And that was the question. How do you, how do you besides shooting waterfalls, and you mentioned uh, ocean, how... What are some creative uses of using both the polarizer and the neutral density? So I sat down and wrote an article about ways to use the ND filter uh, in, a, in creative ways. And, and I, I came up with 14 different ideas. So I'm going to run those by you. We can talk about it. We've already mentioned two of them. Uh, obviously, shooting waterfalls. And that really feathers the water. And that's a technique that we're going to use on other examples of creative uses. So that's the first thing, waterfalls. And so people ask me, what what, what are the techniques there? You, you don't need a 30-second exposure for a waterfall to make it look feathery. And, and you need something that exceeds or is longer than a quarter of a second, half a second. You know, a couple seconds will do it. Even even half a second will give you that that look. So bracket your shutter speeds until you get the look you want. And so to use the ND filter and under any circumstances, you want to compose your your image, your focus, and then take a test shot. Make sure it's composed the way you want it. Focus where you want to focus and make sure your f-stop is where you need it. Uh, and then put everything on manual, manual focus, manual aperture, manual everything screw on the filter, and then using a remote shutter or a timer, if you don't have one, take the photograph because you can't focus. You can't see can't through. See. And you've already covered up your eyepiece. Live view doesn't work because there's no light, not enough light coming in from the lens. So that's that's the basic premise. So let's go through that, and you can comment. The first, uh, first one is water, uh, shooting waterfalls. Talked about that. Uh, here's one, though. If you're in a daylight situation, you're shooting a scene, and you wish you could get a, a, a better bouquet in the background, you're screwing on a, a four-stop 
will allow you to open your aperture and you could really have a nice blurry background. Mm-hmm. Well, otherwise, there's just no way you, you no don't way. have a you don't have a fast enough shutter speed to open that shutter or that aperture. So that that's an obvious example of, of why we use ND filters is to create that blurry background in uh, bright light, yeah, especially and, here in the valley. Right. Uh, specifically, if if I'm shooting, let's say I'm shooting a, a wildflower and. It's in a field of flowers, but I want to focus on one flower and it's a, a bright, slightly overcast day. I can't get enough I can't get enough shutter speed usually to give me the type of wide open aperture I want. So a ND filter will bring out or nice blurry background on that uh, wildflower. Another another way to use it is that an indie filter, in a way, will help balance a high contrast scenes because it, it'll knock out the highlights and give you a, a better chance of, of getting an overall image uh, balance. So if you have a really, really bright, sunny day, you can screw on an indie filter and knock out the, the, the bright by 50% or so and, and then compensate on the low end or on the shadows there. So that's another thing. Uh, you already mentioned, well, another thing that uh, is really useful to use in ND filters is when you're shooting running water and make that silky smooth. You and I were doing that uh, in Yosemite uh, by the Pohono Bridge there where the Merced River flows underneath it there. And it's a beautiful curve. And if you have a lot of rapids, and it's like miniature waterfalls, same drill, but it gives right. a very silky smooth finish mm-hmm. to it. And that that's true of uh, another use of it is to like you were doing to smooth out the waves in, a, in the ocean, and that creates you can really get a a, a foggy misty look mm-hmm. if you set that up at at ground level, not on a cliff, but at ground level on the shore, and the water the waves are coming in, and you put a two or three minute bulb exposure, long exposure on it, you'll make that water look like because of the 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 repeated wave motions, the, the camera will repeat the highs of each of those waves and diminishing uh, strengths, and it looked like mist. Oh, and yeah. it looks like a giant mist is enveloped. Oh, yeah. And uh, you've seen the, the famous shots of the piers going out in the water and then the and the misty-looking water. Well, that's how they do it with a 10-stop with a ND filter. And it also creates that... Uh, Look at the clouds in the sky, and that's the exact. That's the next thing is that why if you're standing in, in a again looking at a landscape and you have clouds creating uh, that nice streak that that streaky cloud look in the daytime, uh, it really can add some punch to uh, your your iconic shots. You know, one thing we talk about in our photography club is uh, going back to tunnel view. We've all shot tunnel view. Uh, it's an iconic view, and, and how do we make it different? There's a billion photographs of that view right. floating around, and, and probably a billion more will be created by the end of this year. <laughs> and I don't exaggerate much, but how do we make it different? Well, you know, shooting with an ND filter, right. creating that blurry sky, that exactly. feathery waterfall, all in the same image with an ND filter, great use of an ND filter. Yes. Um. You can also control your lighting with an ND filter with if it's getting just the brightness of an out, uh, outdoor uh, outdoor scene if it, if the conditions are changing 
you get you just get more stop. You get more f stops control because you can by varying your ND filter from a two to four, six, a, a ten, whatever, and you can stack them to make different. Uh, numbers in between and, and you could you could stack two tens and they have a 20 the hypothetical <laughs> 20 that we were inventing yesterday then it just gives you a lot more control of your aperture so it, again it goes back to controlling the aperture um here's another one at sunset you know sunset you have these varying shades of color that are uh d- displayed as the sun goes through the spectrum of light as it gets lower and lower and there's more and more atmosphere absorbing the rays of of light and going from the indigos down to the reds and then finally you know the oranges and what have you putting on a like a two-stop nd filter you can get some colors that are kind of in between those colors because it 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 blends them together creating an effect that you wouldn't normally see on a sunset. So that that's an interesting approach, and you might think of that. And here's, a, here's something I've done. We've all been to famous tourist places like uh, uh, shooting the, uh, uh, the, you know, the recently the Notre, Notre Dame had its uh, horrible fire. And, but standing there in front of that, world famous tourist attraction there's hundreds of people in the shot you could you could put on a neutral density filter and take a 30 or a 40 or a two minute exposure properly exposed and those people are out oh of the frame yes. they, you, they've turned into ghosts because they move mm-hmm. so you can remove people from in front of your uh, object i did that at pike's uh place the market up there in seattle mm-hmm Bright sunny day, thousands of people couldn't even see the front of the. Uh, so I sat my tripod up, put a, a, a ten nd filter in front of that, and and put a two minute exposure, and they and they disappeared. It was uh, spooky. <laughs> uh, at nighttime, uh, I've uh, I've used a two stop filter to shoot uh, fireworks because fireworks are so bright, and I've been able been able to tone them down with shooting fireworks. And then two more, two more, and jump in here if you if you can think of any more. <clears throat> Sometimes we look at a scene, and let's go back to a landscape. And there are trees in the foreground, and there's a little bit of a breeze, and they're moving ever so slightly. And we do everything we can to make them absolutely tack sharp, so we go to a high shutter speed, and, and everything. But what if we took advantage of the natural movement of plants, such as trees? And we took a really long exposure of the trees as they move slightly. You get that, you get a, a really, sometimes you can get a really interesting effect of something that you don't see with your, your eye. Uh, I use this technique with wildflowers. If you shoot wildflowers, there's one thing you're always fighting, and it's the wind. Yes. And wildflowers evidently can't grow in places that don't have wind. a lot of wind, so... <laughs> Doesn't matter. You have a breeze, and they're so delicate and fragile that they bob around. So, after you, after I've shot the image of the wildflower in the early morning when it's nice and stable, I I will just take advantage of that wind moving that flower head moving back and forth by using an ND filter, long exposure, get a nice smear of color with a a sharper image where it comes to rest in between the gusts of wind. So it's a really interesting technique, but that's another creative use of ND filters. 
There you go, 14, I think. 14. Oh, that's good. I'm going to piggyback on what you said in the very first one, mm-hmm. the bouquet. If you're a portrait photographer and if you're out somewhere, if you're not using a flash and you want to use the natural light and you don't want that bright background without having to stop down, mm-hmm. uh, there you go. There you go. Then. And, exactly. And here in the late summer, even right now to the late summer where we live, that's that's a perfect uh, way to use the ND filter. And then while we're talking about landscapes, this uh, – Question came up when I took that shot from uh, earlier this year in late January. Uh, we were right there at uh, looking at the view from the tunnel in Yosemite. And I used uh, a 10 stop and then I switched to a six stop ND filter. And this is right before the sun was coming down when we got that orange coming across. And a couple of guys in the group asked me, why in the world would you use an ND filter? It was a 30-second exposure. In that 30 seconds, I was getting that slight blur of what water, there was There was already water coming off the falls. And then uh, the, sl- the subtle movement of the clouds created this depth, almost like a layered effect, because the mountains are still. Right. Well, we are in California. They're mostly still, right? They're mostly still. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were still that day. Yes. And you're right about how the colors blend. Yeah, because that really popped out that sky that day that we had. Uh, it was uh, I don't know if this there was rain the day before. I can't remember if there was rain that morning when we went there. Uh, we were hoping for snow, but as we got the clouds, as the sun's those that color, and it was one of the last shots because as the sun's setting, you have that only little window right before that color just goes. And I just wanted to take the most of it and take that 30-second shot. And I knew after that, I only had one more shot, and it was already gone. Yeah. Well, that was an outstanding. I know the image you're talking about, an outstanding image. Uh, So polarized filters really quick. Uh, Here's a technique that I, I use a lot is that when you, a circular polarized filter is you rotate the filter until you get the, the effect you want. Sometimes though, you have to choose between the sky and the foreground as to the effect. Well, why not just do both, shoot both of them, one for, by rotating the lens, the filter for the sky and one, a subsequent shot for rotating the filter for the foreground and then merge them them. and Mm -hmm. use the same technique with the polarized filter. So that's a a use that, uh, a little tip about using polarized filters. Oh, we could talk a lot about polarized filters, but uh, real quickly, they're absolutely useless if the sun is in front of you or behind you. It has to be over your right shoulder or left shoulder. Yeah, okay. I, I've i always used them to cut down reflections. Uh, another great, uh, on water or shiny objects, absolutely. Let's say if I was taking a portrait of somebody where, I, where I'll put one on, let's say they're in front of glass or something. Oh. You rotate it till you see the reflections off of the glass. Right. And that's a good use for them. Yeah. So th- th- those are little things that I've used them. Uh, but sadly, I hardly ever pull my out anymore. I I basically use the ND filters. Uh, and that's about it. I, I don't even pull out. Every once in a while, I'll test out the uh, 
the old orange, yellow, red, green for black and white. Right. But I ran into an in- interesting issue. Uh, you know how on PC it's alt on the Mac, it's the option key, how you're, how you could, when you're in camera raw and you adjust and you could see where your uh, highlights start to blow Your whites, your blacks, your highlights, right. When I used an orange filter, it will not work. Hmm. Really? Because you just do it and it just stays the same. It's like, hmm. And I got some interesting tones with it, but I got, hmm. Then I started thinking, well, okay, that was fun to try once. I go back <laughs> in the box. Got to experiment, right? Experiment. Sure. And, and it's now I look at it. Do I really need it? No, I really don't need to no. take those. So it's less weight to take right. on a trip. I'm all for that. There you go. That was a good conversation on filters. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a lot. Yeah. And and again, the best way is to go out and experiment. If you see somebody use it, try it. You know, say, right. well, if we use it, how can I use this for, for, for me? Right. And just take them out, put them out and use it. All right. So, Joe, where can we find you? Well, uh, this article is on a blog on uh, brightangelimages.com, brightangelimages.com, where you can contact me there or with um, Instagram at bright underscore angel images dot, or I mean, for the uh, Instagram. On Facebook, Facebook, it's bright angel images at Facebook. So those are some areas that you can Contact me. Great. You could find me, of course, here on the ovulusstudios.com. Uh, I keep forgetting we're also on iTunes, and I'm going to try to expand more on that. Uh, I also am tr- going to try to expand more on other platforms, but uh, I may try to set up a Patreon uh, because some of the other platforms they charge, where it's, Apple doesn't. Mm-hmm. And some of the charges, you know, they vary, you know, they, like mm-hmm. a $30 a month thing. That's quite a bit. So I'm right. going to try to expand more on other platforms uh, than Tony Alvarez 64 on Instagram. You can find me, uh, of course, the Aperture Priority uh, page on Facebook, and I'll have a link to that. And I'm hoping to keep growing this community, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try to uh, tame the gremlins where uh, we could do more productive things than trying to sit there and yelling at WordPress. So, <laughs> so as, as we move forward, I'm hoping that uh, I'll tame them and grow this to, I, I like to grow this to a bigger community. Oh, that'd be great. All right. So let's leave off with to open up that aperture and let that creative light in. Aperture Priority is an Avila Studios production. For more information on what Avila Studios has to offer, please visit us on the World Wide Web at avilastudios.com. 